so excited to be back in studio today for Hope Ignited by National Breast Cancer Foundation. Kevin, we have got one heck of a lineup today. Oh, I'm so excited. We're uh, we're going to be kicking this off with one of our, if we had an NBCF Hall of Fame, Tina would be in the NBCF Hall of Fame. 100%. Really excited to be talking to her today. It, it's not every day that we get to welcome really a hybrid NBCF family member, right, to the table. We would consider you a full-time employee because you might as well be the biggest, the pinnacle of our family. But we'll official title, NBCF Community Navigator. Welcome to the studio, Tina Withrow. We're so happy to have Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to work with NBCF. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart when I say you're NBCF family. I mean, the majority of people that will have an opportunity to watch or listen to Hope Ignited today are going to be very familiar with you. You're kind of a community-facing individual for NBCF, but um, really our first line of defense and, and hope and inspiration for so many of the women and families we serve here in the DFW Metroplex. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm proud of the work that NBCF does, and I'm proud that I get to be a part of it. You know, it's interesting. One of the questions that I had for you, um, and I've always kind of wondered this, we've been blessed by you for almost five years, right? Is that about right? About about five years, four and a half or so. You could be anywhere in the world. I mean, and we mean this, Hall of Famer, right, when it comes to inspiring hope to the women and families we serve. But why did you choose to work with National Breast Cancer Foundation? Well, I someone introduced me to you and and I had the chance to come in and visit with you and see your organization and having been in the Dallas Fort Worth charity market cancer navigation market for a long time I ran a cancer center for a long time uh, 11 years um, I really in loved your message your meaning and what you brought to women uh, with breast cancer in the Dallas Fort Worth area and it really sparked something in me. Do you think it's the now? Is it the helping women now? Is it the journey? Like what is it about NBCF that really attracts you to being able to serve? The thing I love most is that NBCF really works very hard to meet the needs of women diagnosed with breast cancer today. And they work very hard to meet the needs of someone needing education mammograms, testing, you know, they're really good. You guys are really good connectors. You really help meet the needs. There's lots of research out there and research is very important. But for the whole time I've been involved in cancer, everybody has always heard me say, nobody meets the needs of someone diagnosed with breast cancer in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and beyond today. And you guys, the very first time I met you, that was the significant part that said, I want to work with these people. There are a lot of, I would, we were even talking about this uh, in the show prep, um, just misunderstandings, expectations, and things like that about um, what someone experiences when they're going through breast cancer these days. You know, people are always coming up and asking, you probably get this a lot, a lot too, Ashley, uh, you know, is there a cure for cancer coming or what's new? that type of thing. But one of the subjects that we have been advocating for for a really long time is patient navigation. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about what that means. And so one of the things I'd love today for our audience to hear from you is really understanding what navigation is. And so if, for instance, if a woman is listening to this and 
maybe she's afraid that she might have breast cancer. Maybe she's somewhere in the middle of that diagnosis. What does that look like for them? And what is an ideal situation for a navigator? I'd love to hear you elaborate. So on that. first a navigator um, breaks down barriers to care that that really is in a nutshell that might be in the hospital setting it might be in the uh, physician office setting the cancer center setting uh, might be a church advocate who's a navigator um, years ago um, there were there were uh, nurse educators in churches people don't really understand that mm-hmm. um, I was fortunate enough I was trained by the Ralph Lauren Cancer Institute and dr. Harold P Freeman who mm. invented navigation he's the gold standard but really navigation really just breaks those down so it might be where do I get a mammogram it might be I have abnormal results I don't know what to do next. It might be, I'm very confused. I've been to three consultations and I don't know where to go next. It might be, how do I pay for treatment? It might be, I have a $20,000 deductible. What can I do? Please help me navigate that so I can negotiate that with my medical team. Because in today's environment, the hospitals, the doctor's offices, they have to collect those copays and deductibles because some of them are so high. So it's really meeting that person right where they're at, having good listening ears, collect that information, and then move for- help move them forward. Maybe not all at once, because sometimes you can give too much information, mm-hmm. but meeting them exactly where they're at. COVID showed us a lot that, yeah. that, that we needed to meet breast cancer survivors right where they were and NBCF taking the hospital out to people rather than making them come in in the traditional sense. Correct, and and commun- I think community navigation is very different than in the hospital setting because the hospital setting has all of those, you know, they have joint commission rules and regulations and their corporate regulations, and so they have to be real careful. They can't get out there and meet the needs in the community mm-hmm. as much as community navigators can. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, we would be remiss if we also didn't say that you facilitate our support groups. Oh yeah. One of the things that NBCF really positioned ourselves well in is that we had virtual offerings for those support groups and our support services as a whole prior to the world shutting down during a national pandemic or worldwide pandemic. Um, but we have you to thank for so much of that. I mean, of course, our amazing staff, um, Lauren Dooley, who is the director of our support services, does an outstanding job. But really, again, you're the face of those support groups. You, you're our first line of defense and inspiration and hope for those women. Talk to me a little bit more about NBCF support groups and the importance of those groups. Well, early on into our, our relationship, our family relationship, as we like to call it, um, we talked about support groups and, um, you know, we started out and we weren't sure where it was going to take us, but I was so glad that we had all of those in place and were able to do that before the pandemic hit because really those support groups became a lifeline. Um, hats off to Lauren Dooley because she hit the ground running when the pandemic hit. She was getting everything all set up beforehand, but when the pandemic hit, she was very flexible, thought outside the box. What can we do for, for, for these ladies, and how can we make that happen and make, it, make them feel um, comfort and care in spite of the fact they're not getting into their doctor's offices? The biggest thing that Lauren and I both took away and we would talk about repeatedly, and I think it was the number one thing that hit these women during COVID, loneliness. Mm-hmm. I am lonely in my thoughts. I am lonely because I have a relationship with my medical team, but I can't even get in to see them. 
What am I going to do? And remember how all of us felt. We thought this was going to go on forever. And there were times that it felt like forever. And I'm a navigator and I'm really strong. But I could tell you, I sat in my car more than on one occasion and cried my eyes out because mm -hmm. of a situation with a survivor. For my own situation, for the people that I couldn't put hands on and touch and be with. So it was, it was really a hard time for all of us, but more so with a breast cancer diagnosis. I want to talk more about the emotional side of it, because I think one of the things that inspires me personally the most about you, I mean, sometimes I'll think I have a bad day or maybe I'll interview, um, you know, a, a patient that we're working with and it, it feels heavy and I just feel like I want to do more. I want to fix it. I want to save her. You do this a hundred times a day. Let's talk about how you handle the emotions behind navigating and supporting these women. So it's taken me a long time to, um, I'm still very emotional about it and it, it hits me hard. There are certain cases that really hit me extremely hard, but I think to really how I handle it is because I say to myself at the darkest times that I don't always have a good day, but I'm always able to help somebody somehow somewhere and then I can sleep well at night knowing that I tried my best and that for me helps get me through the day and I think the best thing that you can offer uh, someone diagnosed with breast cancer all the way through the journey no matter what they're going through is what I refer Lauren refers to we listen more and we talk less mm -hmm. so you're that listening ear you gather that information, you give them information, you guide them, and sometimes that's just holding their hand. Sometimes that's being with them when they've had a bad day. Sometimes that's being with the family when they don't have good news, but you are always there. And people think you've got to do really big things, and you don't have to do big things to matter in somebody's life. Right. When we do support groups, it's amazing. You don't have to, you know, break bed. We break bread together. We talk about the journey, just someone getting together and saying, I have breast cancer. It's amazing how emotional they get just by saying those words, but we make it happen. And then when you can watch them come through six, nine months later, and they now are the educator, that breast cancer survivor, yeah. they're the educator. They're sitting next to someone. They're grabbing the box of Kleenexes. They're getting the water. They're saying, hey, here's my number. You know, call me. Let's get together. Friendships have been formed. Friendship, lifelong friendships have been formed. So how do I do it? I do it because I see that. I see that things are going to be okay. I, I always say forever changed. Every support group makes me forever change. So why do I do it? How do I do it? I do it because I was meant to do it, quite honestly. Just like NBCF was meant to do what we do. The other thing I love about NBCF is their connection. They have employees that have been impacted by cancer, and they have been forever changed. And for me, that's a really strong connection. I was the child that the village took care of me when my mom had cancer when I was one. And so I pay that back now. I pay that back every day, every moment. It's very emotional for me. But I pay that back. Why? The village took care of me. We were a family of seven. We had no insurance. And so I pay that back. So for all that I've lost, I get to pay that back every day. And NBCF is the icing on the cake for me. 
that ownership that you're talking about is what's so obvious in the care that you give women. And I think it's infectious, like you're saying, that you serve these people and, and even the support groups and other things serve them at a time of vulnerability. And it's very natural to then, when you've received help, when you're at a weak point, to recognize that same moment and other people down the line and say, I feel compelled to go help them and do that. Um, one other thing, uh, this reminded me, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, years ago, I was at a fire station. You guys ever been in a fire station? Pretty cool. Um, so I was, uh, they were doing a tour of, you know, we did the fire pole. I asked if I could do the fire pole. I always wanted to, and they said, no, liability, we won't allow that. Probably would have blown my knee out, so I'm glad I didn't do that. But anyway, we came up to the fire truck, and, and they're very expensive. I don't even know, I remember how much, over, probably over a million dollars. And he, the fireman said, he goes, you see this, this right here, all this is, is a giant toolbox, the world's biggest toolbox. And we were kind of looking like, what? what is this? And he said, that's what firemen are. They're problem solvers. They are using this tool to open these doors. They're doing this tool to loosen this. And that's what they do. They solve problems. So that's what I think that you do a lot uh, for NBCF through your navigation. And, and uh, I would love to hear a story maybe about how you've used a tool or something that you've done to um, help someone. And it's really kind of surprising, but it's reacting or responding to, to someone's need in that moment. Well, there's lots of them. I always say I could write a book, but who has time <laughs> to write a book? Um, during COVID, um, we were, you know, checking in with our survivors, those in the support group, people that we'd heard of. You know, we get referrals. You guys get referrals from all different types. You get referrals from your hospital navigators, physicians, your corporate uh, sponsors, the people you have relationships. Life really is all about relationships. Mm -hmm. So I was checking on a fairly newly diagnosed mom, uh, five children, recently moved here. Um, she was divorced. She had a boyfriend, but her boyfriend was killed in a car accident. So I knew she was pretty vulnerable. You know, we'd been hearing about power outages, and I called to just check on her. Hi, Ashley, how are you? She's like, I'm fine. And, you know, you can tell in the voice it's very high and weak. And um, I said, what's going on? Are you, you know, do you have enough food? She said, we're okay. And I'm like, what about heat? And she goes, well, we've got a fireplace. I go, do you have wood? She goes, well, we've been going out in the back, in the woods, in the back, behind our apartment, and gathering wood. And I was dumbfounded. I'm thinking, oh, my word. And so through connections, through, you know, calling and through relationship with MBCF, she, she knew about MBCF. We had been working at it with the beginning stages, never dreaming mm -hmm. we would have to figure out what to do to get this family out of this situation. And um, you can't, when you're doing navigation, you can't take on all of their problems. Mm -hmm. But you want to meet those needs not only to help them, give them the tools that they can help themselves. That's very important. And sometimes all somebody needs is just a little something to say, it's okay. We're, go we're gonna be okay. And so what we were able to do, NBCF jumped right in and, and we were able to provide her some shelter, some warmth. 
And then when you have connections and you help people, um, survivors that you help, they always say, what can I do? And I always remind them, you can volunteer at NBCF. Um, the other thing is people want to feel part of a community. So by helping Ashley, we were able to let her know she's part of a community she didn't even know she needed. And that gave her just enough to say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. She's through her treatment, and she's doing extremely well. But here she was. She'd moved from California. She had no family. She had no friends. She had a boyfriend. He passed away. Mm. And here she was digging in the woods in Plano, Texas, for wood during COVID. You can't get more awful than that. But... Somebody else that I had helped, because I keep this list. If you say you're going to help at some point, I got this list, and I'm going to call. Don't make the empty promise. And I called. I called, and her name was Stephanie, and tell the story. And she showed up, and she, they went to Walmart, and they had food, and but, you know, coloring books and crayons and everything for the kiddos, just something that says, hey, Mama, we got this, mm-hmm. you know, for a couple of days. We got this until we figured out, right? So hope was there in the midst of the awfulness of COVID, of, you know, the storm and all of those things. There was hope. And then she was able to take a break from it and then move back into chemo, figure that out. We were able to help her. She was having trouble because she got some help with daycare. You know, what do you do? You can't take five kids to um, the doctor. You can't take five kids to infusion during covid and um so you you just break down those barriers a little bit at a time and then pretty soon they're saying okay i can do this now i can do this i always say power over cancer power through the journey and that's what we try to do it's very rewarding very rewarding I think it's important to hear you say the word hope. You know, NBCF was founded on hope. We try to instill hope in everything that we do, all of our programs and services across the board. But what does hope mean to you? How important is hope during a breast cancer journey? It's extremely important. And the word hope is meaning more and more to myself, to Lauren Dooley, to the NBCF team. Because let me just tell you, 10 years ago, if somebody came in and said, I have metastatic breast cancer, I have stage four breast cancer, we might have all done the ugly cry. We don't do that anymore. Why? Because we have people within our support group who are 13, 15, 18 years Mm -hmm. out. That is hope. That is hope. Somebody living their life with metastatic breast cancer, that was unheard of. That was unheard of when Janelle was diagnosed. And I'm sure she had friends and loved ones and the people that she was in contact with through her treatment who had metastatic cancer who didn't make that. That's mm-hmm. all changed. I do not I do not hold my breath when somebody says I have metastatic mm-hmm. cancer anymore. That's hope. That's hope defined. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. What about for people who maybe feel like I mean it's the end is coming for them. And we encounter that a lot. And I think there's hope even within that. There certainly is. People, when I meet with someone um, who is diagnosed, um, I think of uh, uh, our sweet Dina when I met her. Um, She was metastatic. She was told she had less than six months to live. NBCF 
played a immense part of her journey. And when I met her the first time, I said I was with her an hour and a half at her house. The kids all running around and and sweet, sweet family. But I said, is there anything else? And she looked me square in the eye and she said, could you help me? I need to adopt my kids out. Could you help me make that happen? I said, why would you want to do that? She goes, my husband can't take care of five kids. Of course, that didn't happen. She didn't need to do that. Um, she she lived way longer than six months. She got about two or two years, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but everybody always asks me in that first visit if they're very emotional with metastatic disease. I always say, is there anything else that you need? And they always, almost always, they say, am I going to die? Mm-hmm. And I always give the same answer. I say, not today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, illness is God's way, the universe's way of reminding us we are not supposed to be here forever. But, again, if you can give little increments of hope, even when those doctors say there's nothing more that we can do, there's always something you can do. Mm -hmm. Chemo break, palliative care, no treatment, alternative treatment, something that gives you power over that. We, um, Lauren and I, um, have someone who's part of the national uh, support group, and we've guided her in a big way um, because she um, ended up, she was close to being paralyzed, and she needed radiation, and she was so frightened. She didn't need anything else than somebody to help break down what she was afraid of. And so we were able to break that down for her. We were able to be there for the daughter, who was really the caregiver. She was at a very good institution getting really good treatment, but she was scared. At 2 o'clock in the morning, she was frightened. She knows she came to us as a metastatic breast cancer survivor. So, you know, she kind of could look down the road because of her particular disease. Um, but she's doing well. She got through her, her surgery. She got through radiation. In spite of everything, she's doing well. There's different degrees of doing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes that goal is I just can't have any evidence of disease, but there's stable disease. Mm-hmm. There is stable. I told a story a couple, um, I think it was last month, um, Peggy passed away, and Peggy is a 14-year breast cancer survivor. She passed away. She didn't pass away from breast cancer. She passed away because she had other health problems, yeah. right? Yeah. And she always said to me, I'm not going to die of breast cancer. You just hear me loud, right? And yeah. she and she didn't. Yeah. And she had a good life. She got stable after her reoccurrence of breast cancer, and she lived her life, and she traveled, and then something else came along, some other, t- she had liver problems, and she wound down her life. So um, yeah. I think we can get really fixated on what that doctor tells us. We hear that a lot in our support groups, um, even people that we think are fine. We will look at them and we will pose a question, and then all of a sudden that fear just comes back. We had that happen last evening. And, you know, the fear is always there. Yeah. Much in the same way the fear is for COVID coming back or, you know, do I have enough money to pay this or car accident or anything, you know? That alters people's life. Like they make choices and do things to run away from and don't realize they're doing that consciously, right? Like when we're trying to protect ourselves from what we fear. So I think one of the things that you guys do in those groups is you bring that to the surface so people can deal with it. 
in a really safe and, and encouraging place, right? Rather than just having to build up all these little coping mechanisms behind the scenes. Getting in that room, watching those ladies, we always are very definite in telling them this is not NBCF support group. This is your support group. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God and the wonderful people at NBCF, you are able to have that. But it is your support group. And Lauren has a great open dialogue with the survivors so they feel safe enough to talk to her about what they want. What do you want in this in a support group? What can we do? We're we're always trying to change that up, but it is their support group. We all desire to be part of a community. We just don't all know it. Yeah. And for some people, they've never been part of a community, they've never been part of a church, they don't know their neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so cancer, breast cancer can be a very lonely mm -hmm. time. And then they come and they're part of that support group and they blossom. And then they volunteer. We encourage them yeah. to volunteer. Then they come to a packing party, and they're like, oh, my gosh, there's all these people who had what I have, and now I'm part of a community. Lauren gets all these, when's the next one? When's the next one? I'm bringing my neighbor. I'm bringing my girlfriend. I'm bringing my son, you know. Um, we heard that um, last night about how wonderful um, we had uh, two or three survivors, their, their son's, came to a breakfast that NBCF had for men. And th they talked about how these sons and husbands wept. They never had an outlet that they could talk about their mom, their wife's breast cancer. And, I mean, they were just like, this is so wonderful. Thank you so much, which gives Lauren and I great joy. Yeah, our guys for good yeah. initiative. We're really excited about that. And, you know, Tina, I wish we had all day to just, I love hearing from you. I get so inspired when I hear your stories because, again, it's not just the face of the support groups or the face of community navigation. You're you're the hands and the feet, right? I mean, like, it happens because of you. Before we go, I mean, I, what we don't always get to do is give you a platform to share what you genuinely think the greatest needs are right now for anybody that's listening for anybody that's watching hope ignited today in your opinion what's the greatest need or area of opportunity right now in the breast health industry so one we need to make everything accessible number one for the those women to be able to get mammograms that's where it all starts but then there's underinsured people um there's copays there's education People really are um, really struggling right now. Um, the other thing I would say is there are a lot of people that have insurance, but we they will pick the cheapest plan, right? Because we all do that. We're all trying to save money. Mm -hmm. And then breast cancer hits, and then the benefits don't equal what they need. And so NBCF does a really good job of, of helping that guide them, which is what you need. So I think that's the greatest need. Um, I always say people think that they have to do big. Oh, I can't, I don't have, you know, a lot of money. I can't donate. Everything matters. So a donation to NBCF helps because they meet the needs of someone diagnosed with breast cancer. So 
if I could answer that way, that's that's how I would answer. So good. Well, Tina, thank you so, so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. We were just talking earlier about how you took your last call at 11 o'clock last night. Well, after most of us were in bed, I mean, I just, again, can't say thank you enough for the work that you do and the difference that you're making to the women and families we serve. We're honored that you're a part of our family, and I sincerely hope you'll accept our invitation to come back soon so I we can hear it. more yeah. stories. We just, we learned so much from you. So well, thank, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, it's, it really is a blessing. It really is a blessing. My personal email is cancerblessings at yahoo.com for a reason. NBCF has blessed and enriched my life, and those survivors every day enrich what we do, just like what you do. Well, thank you, Tina. You're igniting hope in all of us, and we look forward to our next episode. Thank you.